0: And I'm very excited about what we're talking about this morning, but I have to confess, okay, y'all know those little blurps, you've seen them on the internet or in books, um, the Bible according to kids, you know, the funny things that kids say about espousing Bible truths and all that, you know, things like when Mary had Jesus, it was an emasculate contraption, things like that. <laughs> I, you can see where I'm going with this. I, I feel a little like one of those kids when it comes to talking about the Trinity, it's like explaining God, and let's be honest, who can do that? So um, we're going to give the Trinity a try this morning, and I have titled today's lesson um, Tri-Unity, How the Triune Nature of God Affects Our Fellowship with Friends, Family, and the Father. And I have divided the morning into three sections, and we're going to talk about know what, so what, and now No. Know what, so what, and now what. That's right. I was thinking in my mind, I have to make an announcement that I forgot about. Lucina asked me to ask you if there's anyone in here, and you can see her later, who would be interested or willing to do our video. We're videotaping the mornings now on Wednesday, and we need some help with um, a camera lady. So if there's any of, you that, any of you that would be interested, that would be very helpful. Okay. Um, we're on know what. Now, can everybody see me? Can y'all see me okay over there? I have an illustration with my hands. Okay. Did you know that... Two straight lines, no matter how you connect them, whether you try to connect them at the top or the bottom, two straight lines can never enclose space. This is Geometry 101, taking you back. They can never enclose space. Now, the only way two lines can be complete and enclose space is if what? A third line is included. When a third line is added, you can enclose space. Now, why is this significant in terms of geometry? I'm going to tell you about it. The only way you can create a plane is to have an enclosed space. And the only way to to create a three-dimensional shape is to have a plane. Are you following me? The triangle is the very basis of all geometric shapes because it has three. Now, this is, I found this fascinating, and, and what I really loved is that once you've created a three-dimensional shape, you have breadth, width, height, and depth. Does that sound familiar? To know the love of God, to know the height, the breadth, the width of his great love, that is the Trinity. And mathematically speaking, the triangle represents all that is solid This is a real thing. I'm not making this up. Solid, real, substantial, entire, whole, complete. Biblically, the number three represents divine completion. And I found this so fast. I can't go into this. This would be a whole other morning's topic, but you might have fun with this today. The number three biblically is indeed very interesting when you start looking at it. As a matter of fact, if you just start thinking about all the threes we have throughout Scripture, you'll go, wow. Wow. We have faith, hope, and love. We have Jesus dying at the third hour. Three hours later, he's, he's crucified on the third hour. Three, day, three hours later, he's actually, um, he dies on the cross. He's in the tomb for how long? Three days. He rises on what day? Third day. This goes on and on and on. And I am just going to tell you my, I really am convinced that this is not coincidental. There's this thing about the number three. And, um... The Trinity is where we're going this morning. And I want to do my first main point and give you, um, is that my know what? Okay, that's okay. Um, (laughs) Sorry. My husband was so helpful with me this morning to do this for me. He says, you teach, I'll do the rest of it. Okay. All right. All right. My first main and in our, de- our working definition this morning is of the Trinity, and it's this. God's triune nature exists as three personal self-distinctions with one divine essence. Let me explain. All right. Most of the illustrations used to describe the Trinity are really best used to describe what the Trinity is not. And y'all may have talked about this in your group. There are several of them out there. Are y'all familiar with some of these? Have you heard them in your groups where you're like, oh, yeah, I've heard that one, I've heard that one? Okay, this is helpful, I think, in determining is, as if we could figure it out, what the Trinity is. Let's take a look at the egg and the apple just real quickly. Okay, when you have an egg and an apple, you have three distinct personalities. You've got the egg yolk, you have the egg white, and you have the shell. And with an apple, you've got the skin, the flesh, and the seed. But they don't share the same essence. Now, track with me. Those three things are all very different. They're completely different in essence. And it's only one essence because you call it an egg or you call it an apple. Um, The three-legged stool, this is an interesting one. Let's just say for the sake of illustration that the stool is all made from one piece of wood. So it is all one essence. The three legs are merely extensions of the same essence. And while visibly it looks like it's three distinct personalities, it's really not. Does that make sense? Okay, now you try one. Let's look at water. This is a tricky one. Water can take three forms, right? Liquid, gas, and a solid. So you have our three entities. And molecularly, I'm not real sure whether or not that they change or not. Let's just let's just say that they do. They don't. I mean, they're all the same essence. What's the problem with that, though? Do you, can you know, Do you know? Exactly. They don't exactly. They don't coexist. They can't coexist. It's either all or nothing. It's either all water, all gas you know, we're all solid, all at the same time. But we're looking for something that's the same essence, but three different distinct, you know, and I could go on and on, three-in-one shampoo. <laughs> that's an easy one. All the same essence, but no distinctions. Okay, so here we go. This right here is the shield of the Trinity, and this is by far the best illustration, and, it, and it's even a diagram that explains what the Trinity is. You'll see, if you look at it carefully, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all God, but they're not each other. And if you want to jot that down, I think it's a really helpful reference. Um, Have you ever played set, that card game, you know, where you're looking for a set of three that are all the same and all different? That's kind of, I don't really know if that one works either, but I had to throw that in. Okay, the Father sent the Son, who is God, The Son, who is God, sent the Holy Spirit, who himself is God. It's mind-bending. And I praised God all week long that I could not completely figure it out. And I pride myself on the ability to show you great word pictures and make things clear, clear, clear. And I could not do it. But y'all, that left me at such a great spot because it made me realize how incomprehensible the God I serve actually is. And it blew my mind. And I was happy in my state of, oh my goodness, you are so amazing. So this is a picture of perfect community. So so what about this? Here we know we're learning a little bit about the Trinity. So what about it? Well, this morning I'm going to show you something. Let's talk about this, especially if you come this morning. Now, granted in the room, I know there are a lot of worldviews represented, backgrounds represented, uh, religious experiences, different religious faiths and beliefs represented. No matter where you come, whether you have never trusted Christ and you're kind of still exploring the whole idea of what it means to be a Christian, or you've walked with God for a long, long time, your understanding in the Trinity, all three persons, has a great impact on how you fellowship and if you fellowship with God. Let me, for example, let me, let me show you something. If you had God, just God the Father alone, without the Spirit or the Son, there would be no relationship. What you really have in a case like that is deism. Deism literally means that you are under the belief that God created everything and he just took off. Now, I don't know about you, but I have felt a lot of times, very deistic in my thinking, even though I'm a believer. My husband has been out of work. There are hard times for so many of us right now. And there are times I've thought, where are you? Where are you? And when I am thinking like that in that moment, God is just God alone, a deity. He is not a triunal God. And I I am not experiencing the fullness of who he is. Some emotions that sometimes follow that line of thinking might be um, skepticism, resentfulness, feelings of loneliness, abandonment, and frustration. Now, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm guessing if you're experiencing some of those feelings, it's possible that God to you has created and bolted. And what might be missing is a relationship him you believe he exists but you're not real sure that he wants you around okay now what if you had jesus but he was just a man and you didn't have jesus as god no deity jesus as just a man offers no salvation because only god can do that it's critical that jesus was god Otherwise, salvation is not possible. Therefore, the relationship with God is not possible. Feelings that often accompany this kind of thinking are inadequacy, guilt, fear, despair. God could never forgive me. If if you are experiencing those types of feelings, there is a very good chance that Jesus to you is just a man. But when you realize that he's God and is willing and wanting to forgive you, the relationship changes and that hope is offered to you. Okay, now what if you had only the spirit with no holy in front of it? Okay, you have wind, right? I mean, really, if you have the spirit without the spirit being deity, without the spirit being God, you have no power. You have no restrainer. You have no helper. You have no teacher, no comforter. You actually, and I thought about this, um, the abundant life very quickly becomes the abominable life. Can you imagine life without the Spirit? Now we take that for granted, y'all, but there are things that are utterly impossible without the Spirit. And I think as Christians, we kind of swing from one extreme to the other. I think sometimes we don't attribute Things of the spirit that we probably should attribute to the spirit but i think sometimes we attribute more things than we probably should but somewhere in there there is an understanding that god moves through his spirit and it is available to us in the power and in the person of jesus christ okay now if you're experiencing a spirit issue a holy spirit issue you might be experiencing Deadness, um, is the Christian, are you just kind of moving along in your Christian life? Like, and you find yourself going, so what? I mean, okay, this is, I believe in God. Jesus is a son. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's dry. My life hasn't really changed as a result. My guess is that the spirit to you is not divine, and you haven't tapped into that power. When we trust in Christ... As our Savior and Lord, we immediately became one with God and were invited into this unbelievable fellowship. Um, we're one with God, we're made complete. Second Peter 1-4 tells us that we became partakers of the divine nature. This nature we've been talking about all morning, this very nature we get to become partakers of. We join his fellowship, his divine power, his spirit has granted us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. All of this is available. Okay, so now what? Here we get to, you know, some more applications. Why would a perfect God who lives in perfect community, and y'all might have talked about this in your group, why, if there is this perfect fellowship, if God in himself is a perfect fellowship, why would he invite us to join him in that particular fellowship? He wasn't lonely. He didn't need us. If he, he was perfect. He had everything he needed. I want to tell you, I think God invites us to share in his fellowship for two reasons. One, is that we might experience his love, and two, that we might reflect his glory. We've talked a little bit about how understanding the Trinity affects our fellowship with God, but what about fellowshipping with others, especially other believers? This is where I break out in song and say, why can't we be friends? Okay, so, and I'm gonna gonna address that. We're gonna have a hard conversation, but um, I don't know. If, um, if you were as surprised as I was, but in our lesson, that whole section about fellowship and the definition of fellowship, did that surprise any of y'all? Was that a new discovery, his whole definition biblically? Because um, I honestly, okay, I'm like the fellowship gal. I kind of had always thought fellowship was like supper club. And that fellowshipping is really kind of passive, and you get together, and you visit, and you talk, and we're having some fellowship. And... Um, His definition threw me off, and so I thought, I don't know about that. So I went and I did a little research, and here's what I came up with. I thought this was very interesting. And he may have said some of this, but the only time... I'm going to say it better. Um, (laughs) With a lot more enthusiasm. Okay, the only time that the word fellowship is used in the Old Testament, it means friendship, gathering, intimate, making plans. It's used once in the Old Testament and that's the meaning of that one time that it's used, okay? Every time the word fellowship is used in the New Testament, every single time it is used, it has the same definition, every time. And the definition is a contribution, participation, sharing, partaking, sacrificing. Every time fellowship is used in the New Testament, it is pro- active. Every time it's used in the, New, in the Old Testament, it is more along the passive lines. So what's the difference, I asked myself. Are you asking yourself the same question? <laughs> what is the difference? And I really parked here for a minute, and I thought, the difference is the sacrifice. The difference is Jesus. It's one thing to be in fellowship and be a, uh, just a mere person that sits and soaks it up. But real fellowship is initiating. It's making a sacrifice. And anytime you're serving someone well, it takes something of yourself to do that. You've gotta put something on the back burner. Even if you're enjoying what you're doing, you still put something on the back burner to make that sacrifice. This is when I realized that this is exactly what God, who is himself a perfect fellowship, did when he shared, contributed, and gave us Jesus. Because of his love for us, he initiated. He made the first move. He was proactive and sacrificed his only son that we might share an eternal life and fellowship with him. So the main point here is this as we live in perfect community with Christ as believers and we fellowship in Christ, his triune nature in us begins to reflect his glory with those around us, particularly the church. All right, now here's where we're on our final. um, I think, I did I tell you that we're on so what? I mean, now what? Did I say that? Okay, this is the final. I I am doing really good on my time. This is the last section. Okay. Um, I usually don't. That's why I said that. Um, Number one, this is what I want you to take home with you. These are just some pondering thoughts that I had. If as believers we are all one in Christ, that means the same Spirit lives in every one of us. If God's Spirit lives in every one of us and it is the same Spirit, there is no reason the Spirit cannot get along with himself. So do not tell me or anyone else that you have a problem with another believer. Your flesh has a problem with the other believer. But God's spirit loves God's spirit. And he put that in you for the sake of unity. Because when we are loving each other well, and we are in fellowship with him the way we're supposed to be, we look different. We act different. The church brings God's glory to a world that does not know him. They will know we are Christians by our what? By our love. It's how we initiate. Okay. Secondly, God initiated, speaking of that, God initiated a relationship with me in spite of my junk. I can initiate relationships with others in spite of theirs. And this is something, y'all, we just have got to get over. And a lot of times it is way too easy to sit back and fold your arms and go, mm, I have a problem with so," and And I'm not moving forward because of it. That's, what, would, what would have happened if God did that? Now, you think about this. If in all of our junk, God said, hmm, that is a hopeless case. Well, until they make the first move, I'm just going to sit here. You, Jesus is going to, we're just going to pal around up here because I'm just not feeling the love right now. <coughs> Y'all thank God, and I mean that, that he did not do that. He initiated out of love for the sake of Fellowship. Number three, God has provided every resource known to man and then some to help us facilitate this fellowship with other believers. Have you tapped into those resources? We are without excuse. Read Romans. The old man is dead. If you've trusted Christ, you have died to yourself. You no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in you. That's Galatians. And you know what? You are free now. You are no longer under the bondage to respond as the old man would have. You don't have to to be ugly anymore does that make sense so often we think well you know the big excuse honestly is that the sin nature takes over that's so convenient because the truth is you are no longer bound to that sin nature you don't have to listen to it that is good news and if you want to supplement this morning's lesson go read Romans it will set you free number four God sacrificed to bring me into fellowship with himself. What sacrifices do I need to make to bring others into fellowship with me and vice versa? We talked about that a minute ago. It is, y'all, community done right is inconvenient. Community done right is uncomfortable. But I challenge you and myself, and I'm learning this personally in some very painful ways. Oftentimes, conflict in community is the perfect opportunity to pursue completeness. And we shy away from it. I think about that movie where, that little turtle movie, uh, well, if you don't have kids, you know, where he's going like this. This is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. And I think of two circles being made. One is on its way to being closed completely, and one is being almost closed, but there's a gap stop. So this is what we're doing, gap stop. And God says, this is what I want you to do. Close the gap initiate go the distance sacrifice you will see that you'll be brought into fellowship and when you do that you will bring me such glory and you will benefit yourself and you will experience my goodness and my righteousness okay I'm gonna leave you with a thought since God himself is a fellowship and we are made in God's image we find the fullness of fellowship in fellowship and this is reflected in marriage. It's reflected in, you know, remember, husband, wife, who? Husband, wife, God. You see it in the family, mother, father, child. It's reflected in society. It's reflected all throughout. But nowhere is it more beautifully reflected than in the church. You, the body of Christ, are his glory. Okay. Um, I have a great quote here. Christian fellowship is the divinest thing on earth. It's the earthly counterpart counterpart of the divine life. Isn't that great? So that's the morning. Um, That was so fast. Um, I feel like I should ask you any questions. I don't have time for questions. Y'all, please have me back. I loved it. Let me pray for y'all real quickly. Lord, as usual, it is such a great thing when we run out of time because your word is so amazing. We could just sit in it all day long. And I just pray that we would really have that heart, insatiable heart to seek after you and to learn more and more and more. Um, I pray for these friends of mine, Lord, who many are I'm in fellowship with based on your love for us. And I thank you that you have decided to bring me and us all, sinners, into your fellowship. This an unfathomable thing. But we're grateful, and I would pray, Father, that you would allow our love for one another with the mind's eye to your triune nature to impact and influence the world as they watch our love for one another be carried out uh, with diligence and patience and um, with loving initiation. Love you, Lord, and continue to show us this week how we can do just this, and it's in your very precious son's name we pray, Amen.